Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. All right, good morning. You want to go and have a seat, have a seat. Y'all sit down, we're good, we're good. Some of y'all were like, I don't know how to stand and pass the bucket at the same time. It's been a while, but that's good. Um, hey, thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Uh, thank you for how much you love our house. Um, if, you know, as the buckets are going around, we just want, we're just grateful. Uh, we couldn't do this without you. And um, if you want to give online, you can give online. Uh, you can also give through the Church Center app. There's just ways to give. If you need help, you can uh, find anyone in a green shirt to help you with any of that. Visitor cards, giving, signing up for an event. And uh, I'm just so excited for what God is doing in this house. Um, I-, I believe this is a special season, right? Come on. I believe God's doing something powerful in this season. And uh, I just cannot wait um, to see what God has in store for us, what we're doing now, and what he's getting us ready for in the future. Um, I have uh, an announcement to make. It's an announcement with mixed emotions. And um, I wanted to make sure I made this announcement before we get into the message. Uh, One of our, not one of the, one of the... uh, really founding members, the matriarch of our church, the, the mom of our church, if you would, uh, Yolanda Hernandez passed away yesterday. Uh, I think most of us might have seen this or, or have heard, whether it's through social media or through a family member or a friend, but for those that don't know, um, Yolanda Hernandez uh, was part of our church from day one, 31 years ago. Her and her husband. Her husband went to be with the Lord 10 years ago. And now she's with her husband with Jesus today. And why I say it's mixed emotions is because I am sad and and we are grieving. And we're going to be praying for the family. We're actually going to pray for the family in just a minute. Um, But I am celebrating and I am excited, which is super weird. Because if there's anyone that I know is with Jesus, it's Yolanda. Anybody. Anybody. And she was such a vital part to this house. Um, we would not be here today without the um, Hernandez family. There were days where, um, back when we didn't have all the stuff and the lights, and it was just our small little church in Lathrop. And there were days where um, Brother Frito and Sister Yolanda would pay the bills for the lights to stay on because the tithe wasn't big enough or pay the pastor's salary because giving didn't come in. There, I, I heard stories yesterday of they would go to vacation in L.A. and Brother Frito would leave on Friday and drive back Sunday morning at 5 a.m. because Pastor Eric needed help setting up the chairs. This is the legacy they leave us. And, and why I'm, I'm sharing a little bit about it today is because I believe with all my heart that we are a church that gives honor where honor is due. This is not just about one of our precious family members going to be with the Lord. This is bigger. This is about honoring really one of the main couples the Lord used to establish us as a church. And what is amazing about Yolanda, Brother Frito, and in particular we're going to talk about Yolanda is it wasn't anything spectacular. Her simple obedience and devotion to Jesus changed the course of this city. And I am challenged and I am humbled that I was able to be her pastor, 
And we were able to be her church family. And I know she is worshiping with us in heaven right now. And she's making sure that I don't ramble too much. I hear her in my brain say, mijo, move on. Move on. And for the family, for uh, Monica and Buddy, who are pillars here at this house, for, for Eugene and Monica as well, the, her, her kids, we're going to pray for them in this season. Cousins, family members who were close, spiritual family who was close to Yolanda. Today's a day where we mourn and today where we celebrate together. And so, family, let's do this. Before we get into the message, let's pray for the Hernandez family. Let's pray for the extended family. Uh, And at the same time, I just want to thank God for a quick moment for her. And as we continue throughout the weeks, we'll keep you posted on um, services and uh, the memorial service. And we're going to do it right, and we're going to honor them, and we're going to go all in. And at this time with the family, um, pray for them, okay? Pray for them. Uh, but, but give them some space, too, because this is a lot. There's a lot going on right now. And uh, if, you, if you know them really close, you can reach out. That's fine. And if you have any questions, come find a staff member. Come talk to us, all right, because we can kind of help with the process as well. So, family, let, let's do this. Let's stand one more time. I know I told you to sit down, but let's stand one more time. We'll pray. We'll pray for the Hernandez family. We'll pray for the word. And then we'll go ahead and jump right into the passage and the message this morning. Does that sound good? Awesome. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for Yolanda Hernandez. Thank you that, God, you know the starts and the stops of our life. Thank you for the gift she was to our church and to our spiritual family here at Thrive. Thank you for her legacy. And so, God, we just honor her. And, God, we pray that Holy Spirit you would draw near in this season for those who are sad and who mourn. For the Hernandez family, for the extended family. God, let the peace of God that surpasses understanding be with them. And God, today we rejoice with you that she is walking in heaven with her husband, loving you, seeing you face to face. And God, let it be a reminder, God, that what one person can do can change the world. What one couple can do can change the world. And God, I pray that as we dive into the message today, that Holy Spirit, you would be with us in this room as we celebrate and mourn the loss of our beloved sister and our beloved friend. At the same time, Jesus, that you would speak. Because I know more than anything else, that's what she would want. That God, you would move today. And so God, we pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to the message this morning. We love you, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. All right, let's do it. Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14. Stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. I know some of y'all got played. Stay standing. <clears throat> Just one passage. Second Chronicles 7, 14. We've been in this passage for the last four weeks, and we're going to keep doing it for the next two, three weeks. And so say it with me if you know it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive. Everybody say forgive. I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. Awesome. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. So today, as we continue our series, If, and we're talking about prayer, and we're walking through the book of Second Chronicles, really not the book, just the passage, Second Chronicles 7, 14. Um, I'm excited to share today 
Because I believe that this message today is going to get some people unstuck. It's going to get some people unstuck. You might have came in here and you've been feeling a little stuck in this season. You've been feeling like you've been hitting a wall in this season. And I believe the message today has the power, I really believe this, has the power to begin to walk through some things in our life that would begin to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? And so today, I want to talk to you just for a few minutes on the concept of forgiveness and prayer. Right? We've walked through different types or concepts in the connotation and in the family of prayer, the idea of uh, how we pray, and I uh, just want to honor Pastor Matt. Great job last week, bro. You did an amazing job. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Matt real fast. That was so good. Had me challenged all week. I was like, man, I got to get my stuff together. Good. And um, as he talked about hearing from heaven. So today we're going into the next stop, which is forgiveness. And really as a whole, if I could be honest, we can do a whole series on forgiveness. So I'm not, I'm not going to do today enough justice. I'm just going to be honest. But what I want to try to do today is begin to stir our hearts with an idea and a framework on how to incorporate the idea of forgiveness in our life of prayer. And, and this is why I say that today has the potential to really be transformative. And, and it's this idea that I feel is from the Lord and it's necessary for us in our walk with Jesus and I just want to just say this statement as we go into the rest of this conversation. And, and, and I think this will kind of, um, kind of cover or, or make sense of where we're going. And it's this. It's because unforgiveness is poison. I'm going to say that again. Unforgiveness is poison. I want you to know that unforgiveness, the, the times where you do not allow your heart to let go and to forgive the people that have harmed you is toxic to your walk with Jesus. It's absolutely poison to your walk with God. Now, let's take it, that, that's true across the board, right? Now, let's take it a little bit deeper. I believe that one of the main ways that we can poison our prayer life, our time where it's just us and Jesus, our our depth with God, right? Because that's what prayer does. Prayer gives us the ability to go deep with God. You, you want to stop your depth with Jesus? Live a life of unforgiveness. And can I tell you that in this day and age, which is interesting, unforgiveness has either become very popular or unpopular. And why I say very popular is because we, we have like new age movements that have talked about forgiveness and, 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 and you know, inner healing. And, 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 and some of that, I understand, is good intended. However, when you begin to talk about forgiveness without the cross, it's powerless. At the same time, we also live in a culture where you don't, it's almost pushed that it's okay to hold grudges. It's okay to hold on to the pain. It's okay to let that poison stay in your heart. It's okay for your heart to become rotten. It's, a, it's okay for, for you to just kind of live with the things that you dealt with. And, and it's okay to be bitter and angry because that's the real you. And can I tell you that's not true either. And what I have begun to realize, at least in my life, I feel like as, as I was preparing this week and trying to formulate what I was going to talk about, um, the, the, out of all the ones in the series, this is the one that hits home the most for me, if I could be honest. Because I want you to know that every time a preacher comes up here and preaches, they're not just preaching to you, they're preaching to themselves. You know what I'm saying? 
This is the thing that I have had to walk through the most in my life. Because how many of you know you can love Jesus, you can be a Christian, you can be a disciple, and spend 30 years not forgiving? This is a crisis, I believe, especially in the idea of American Western Christianity, is that we would allow God to forgive us, but yet we would not allow ourselves to forgive others. And why is this so important? Because unless you allow Jesus to begin to work in you in the place of forgiveness so that through the place of prayer you can forgive others, you will never experience the depth of Jesus that God wants you to go. You will always be in the shallow end of Christianity. And I say this not as a statement, but as just because I, I think it's a good idea, but a, but a statement of experience. I got saved at 12, family. Got saved at 12, like got saved, saved. You know what I'm talking about? Got rocked by God. Got saved at a little black church in Crenshaw. It was awesome. It's like 40 people. We were the only Mexicans there. It was great. Church was like four hours. Y'all don't even know. Some of y'all know. Hey, church, you know what I'm saying? And I know you've, some of you have heard this story. I didn't forgive, really walk through forgiveness till my, till I was like 18 to 20. Because the, the, the interesting thing about this concept of forgiveness is if the enemy can get you to not give your whole heart to God, he's winning. Right? And, and, and this is what we do, right? We, we sing the songs, right, that talk about God have all of me. God, you can have all of me. God, you can, you can have my whole life. And then there's little things in our life that we're not willing to let go. And not that God's angry with us, but it's actually the opposite. His heart breaks that you're carrying something he's paid for. His heart is broken. That you don't think the cross was sufficient to let the pains of your past go. And why I say it's poison is because it begins to eat you up on the inside. Oh man, unforgiveness. You, you, you want to know like I believe one of the most toxic people I've ever met is, is people who struggle with unforgiveness. And, and some of it I understand because the things that you've gone through were hard. So I don't, I'm not trying, listen, I'm not trying to diminish your pain or diminish what you've been through. But what I am trying to say is the things that you've been through should not have authority of your life more than Jesus. Your past should not become your cage that does not launch you into your future. What someone did to you should not determine who you are today. Let me say that for the back row. What someone did to you should not determine who you are today. And I say that from a person who was an orphan, who was broken, whose mom left, whose dad left, who's been through some stuff. And listen, you've been through some stuff, and I've been through some stuff. But can I tell you, the stuff does not define us. And how we begin to let God heal us from the inside out is we begin to go through this process of forgiveness, not because the person deserves it, but because God has done something in my life. I think I'm passionate about it because 
what I have often found is, in, at least in the context of church, oftentimes the toxicity that begins to be released in people and, and, and in other groups or families is really rooted in bitterness from the place of unforgiveness. Man, unforgiveness is a nasty root. And it stays there a long time. Yet Jesus says, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, God says, if my people were to do all these things, I'll forgive them. So there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a connotation and a demand on our life to begin to forgive how the Lord forgives. And then in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, he says, right, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us as our sins as we forgive our debtors or those who have sinned against us. That's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, when you pray, pray like this. And, and what is Jesus saying? He is saying that in part of your prayer life, you need to begin to marry. You, be, you need to begin to insert this idea of forgiveness. Because if you do not, it will begin to keep you from the things that I want you to, want to do in your life. Forgiveness, my friends, is power. It's not weakness. It is powerful. However, I don't believe that power comes from us. Forgiveness, I, I believe, and this is why I wanted to connect it to prayer. Like, we, like I said, we can do a whole series, but I don't believe you can really forgive someone. Two, two things, I'm going to say two things. I don't believe you can truly forgive someone without the Lord. I'm just going to be honest, because I tried and it doesn't work. Maybe someone else has a better plan, but as of right now, I don't know. Right? I, I think you can only really forgive someone who hurt you when you begin to look at it through the lens of the cross. Because if Jesus was able to forgive people as they were killing him, you for, can forgive for the people that did harm to you. The gospel has to be central when we talk about forgiveness. Because it gives us the power that we don't have in our human capacity. Because it is not in your nature to love someone who harmed you. So if you're like, yeah, I can't do that. Of course you can't. You're human. Of course you can't. You can't love someone who did you wrong. You can't love someone who left you. You can't, love, you can't forgive someone who hurt you. You can't love and forgive someone who abused you, who assaulted you. I told you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to some deep stuff today. You can't. You can't because you're not supposed to. In your, your, your genetic makeup, as, as a human, you're designed in survival mode. And, and you're supposed to ostracize. You're not supposed to open your heart to the people who harmed you. No way. But the only way we get to do that is there's a supernatural power that comes from something that we don't understand. And I believe that that is the power of the gospel. And the gospel, once it transforms your life, is able to give you the ability to let go of something that you know you shouldn't let go of. But you have to let go of because if you don't let go, it's going to harm you instead of help you. It's like holding a dagger. And if you don't hold it the right way and you hold on too tight. The thing that you thought was defending you is the thing that's making you bleed. And family, we got way too many people who say they love Jesus and they're bleeding out because they won't let go. Years. Family, they'll church hop. Because once someone confronts it, they'll go somewhere else until they get confronted again. Unless, right, and, and, and the Lord's just trying to get through it, not because he wants to let that person off the hook. It's because he wants to do something deep in our life. 
He wants us to be free. If repentance is the antidote for sin, forgiveness is the antidote for abuse and suffering and pain. And secondly, right, I believe first, you can't forgive unless you have Jesus. I believe you need a God component in your life. That's just my personal belief. And if you want to talk about that later, we can talk about that another time. Secondly, I believe you can't truly forgive until you've taken the place of forgiveness in the place of prayer. Forgiveness is an internal struggle that then manifests into a physical reality. I want you to understand that. Right? You can't force yourself physically to just forgive and get over it. There's no way. That's fake and we don't want anyone to be fake. Now, what I want to share is it's not easy. It can take time and it can take years. I remember when I was younger, um, I don't know, some, someone taught me this. I don't know who it was. Uh, the whole concept of like forgive and forget, right? Like, and, and I think it's true in some ways, right? God forgives and God forgets, right? He forgets our sins. And he, he right, the Bible says like from the east is to the west. He washes us white as snow. All that's true. And then the expectation then is, okay, then you have to do the same. You need to forgive and you need to forget. But how many of you know y'all haven't forgotten? Let's just be real. I haven't. I haven't. And I don't think I'm supposed to. I don't think God requires for it to be wiped out of our memory. Because actually I think that through the pain and the suffering, it draws us closer to him. And it gives us a story to reach people who have been through the same thing. However, the pain can't be so strong that I can't draw close to Jesus. Does that make sense? So forgiveness has to happen where I no longer let the things that people did to me control my life anymore. So the process of allowing forgiveness to really enter our heart is one in the secret place with you and God. That's why we're talking about it with prayer. It's not one at church services. I'm telling you this right now. You could come to as much of church services as you want. I've met people who have came to church services for 20 years and they still mad at their sister. You know what I'm saying? They're still bitter at the person that took their seat at church like five years ago. Took their parking lot spot or whatever. Like, like petty, petty, petty stuff. And, and can I tell you that, that that is the thing, that is the biggest turnoff to people who don't know Jesus, petty Christianity. Nobody wants it. Because they get pettiness from the world. They get pettiness from TikTok, from Instagram, from all the magazines, from all the channels. Why would they want pettiness when they come in this place? Why, why? Why would they want pettiness if they, why would they want us to treat them like how the world already treats them? Why would I want that? There has to be something different. Jesus says, you will know me by how you love each other. How do you love each other? You forgive, and you forgive quickly, and you forgive often. And family, we are going to be a church that forgives quickly and forgives often. Why? Because God told us. Not because we're special, not because we're holy, but because Jesus did it. If Jesus can forgive people spitting him and mocking, at, mocking him and spitting at him and whipping him and lashing him, we can forgive people who didn't text us on our birthday. We can forgive the lowest of low. You didn't get the invite. You didn't get the text. No, they didn't want to be your friend on Facebook. Get over it. Or the highest of high. Deep pain. Physical abuse. 
The whole spectrum. Why? Because it's not in our strength that we forgive. It's in the strength of the Holy Ghost. It's in the strength of the Holy Ghost. So, how do we get there? We get there in the place of prayer. We get there in the invisible parts of your life. You have to begin to walk with God. So, so let, me, let me give you what I call the internal process of forgiveness. Let me, let me just give you how I did it. For, for, and I'm still doing it. I'm still doing it. And this is for anyone who's struggling with unforgiveness right now. And you know what? Even if you're not struggling with forgiveness, write this down. Because something might happen. So write it down. I want to give you five simple, five steps. Five steps to incorporate the idea of forgiveness the theology of forgiveness into your personal life of prayer. Because family, if you do not begin to do this, you'll just walk around like business as usual and you're broken. And family, I don't want you broken. I want you whole. I want you alive. I want you excited. I want life in your heart. I want you to be enamored by Jesus. And I want nothing to hold you back. Number one, you gotta recognize the issue. So, so let's start there. Some of us, we have to get to the place where you, you, you have to allow God to unnumb your heart. Yeah, that, that's real, real quick. Because some of us can act like, and I've done it, where it's like, no, I'm good. Oh, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've already done that. I've already, I've already handled that. But man, you don't know if you have or haven't. And you got to allow God to soften your heart. And you got to recognize, you got to actually tell yourself, I am struggling with unforgiveness. Meaning, I am still really angry, mad, almost in a sinful mentality towards someone else. Right? This is just, just some signs how you can tell. If you would be okay with that person getting harmed, probably dealing with unforgiveness. I mean, I get it. Some people deserve to get slapped. But, like, we can't want that. Right? Unforgiveness. If you want, if you were in a place where you couldn't believe that God could heal them or save them, ooh, that's a good one. If if you knew someone, you're like, I, there, there's no way God's gonna get them. You're probably struggling with unforgiveness because if God can't do it, no one can. And what you are doing is you are limiting God based on your own experience. And how many of you know that that never works out? If, if you see them or talk about them and it's like a trigger, if you got a button, man, it shouldn't trigger you to the place where you feel that you're done. And, and I, I, like, like out, out of the game like all day. I get it. There's some emotions that come up. That's normal. I, I still do. And, I, and I'm going to walk through this because uh, I'm going to walk through this like personally how I've done it as well. But I, for example, like I, I, it was a hard for me to forgive my dad. Like, like that was probably the biggest one, right? I, had a, I have a lot of issues that God has walked me through. But, but, but whenever you have a dad issue, that's a big deal. And, and one of the things my dad, I, I think I've shared this story, he used to love, he used to love palm trees. Um, I don't know why. He just loved palm trees. He would always talk about them, palm trees. Like I would go with him. He would be doing his scandalous non-Jesus things, and I'd be in the front seat. And uh, he would always talk about how he loves palm trees. And next thing you know, all throughout Lathrop now near Target, there's a bunch of palm trees. <laughs> Talk about a trigger, right? <laughs> and if all, and if every time I see a palm tree, I just think of the pain of my past, 
Maybe I'm not, maybe I haven't forgiven completely. But if I see a palm tree and, and I begin to think of my father, which is normal, but it takes me to the place of prayer and the place of forgiveness and even seeing God in the midst of my pain. Ooh, that's a different story. We know we're getting somewhere. So you got to recognize there's a problem because if you don't recognize there's a problem, you always pretend that there's not a problem and you'll live in bitterness and anger and frustration and then it's going to boil up and then it's going to get all bad and everything's going to get rotten and everything's going to get sour and it's going to connect to all your insecurities and all your shame and all your guilt and all your sin. And the next thing you know, you're worshiping Jesus, lifting your hands up on Sunday mornings, but Monday through Saturday you're living your life different because you didn't handle and confront the pain that happened in your life. And that's what Jesus defined as hypocrisy, is where you wore one mask one day and you wore another mask another day. Where you were one person one day and another person another day. You were an actor, that's what hypocrisy is, you were an actor one day and you were another actor another day. And family, Jesus wants you to live wholehearted. So number one, recognize the issue. Number two is you got to ask, so, so, so here's the second step. Once you know, yes. I need to forgive my dad. I need to forgive my mom. I need to forgive that cousin. I need to forgive that person. I need to forgive that church person. I need to forgive that pastor. I need to forgive that, that, that person that hurt me, that harmed me, that teacher, that, that friend, that, ex, that, that, that spouse, that whatever, whatever, okay, whatever you need to do. Once you recognize it, ask Jesus for power. Don't, you, you're not going to be able to white knuckle this. You're not going to be able to just close your eyes and be like, I'm over it, I'm over it, I'm over it. Click your, ears, click your heels three times. I'm over it. You're not going to do it because you can't do it because your human nature is raging, right? Everybody, I want you to understand this. Everybody say spirit, soul, and body. Okay, your body, your flesh, that's how Paul defines it in Romans, right, is one part of you, the, the physical part of you. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, how you think, how you process. So soul and mind, and then your spirit is the thing that connects with God. Your spirit is craving to connect with God, therefore it is craving for you to forgive and let go. Because it doesn't want anything that would feel like it's disconnecting you and God. Your soul is in the middle, and your flesh wants you to stay in your flesh, man. It wants you. It wants you to stay bitter and angry. And, and some of us, we have, we have struggled with unforgiveness for so long, it has felt good. You know, I, I got a, ni a nine-month-old, y'all. And she likes it when she has a poopy diaper. It don't phase her. It's comfy. Yo, have you gotten comfortable with the garbage in your life? Have you made a home of something that Jesus delivered you from? You know what I'm saying? It's like what the Egyptians did when they left or sorry, the Israelites did when they left Egypt. When they were complaining in the desert, they said, well, it was better back there. Are you kidding me? You were a slave, bro. It's better back there. Yeah, well, at least they fed us other than quail and manna. You're dumb. You were a slave. You were crying out to God. You were broken and you were stuck and you were trapped and God delivered you by the Red Sea. He healed you. He set you free. And you want to go back. Why? Because they were comfortable in their stuff. You can't get comfortable in your stuff. Your flesh is going to want to get comfortable in the unforgiveness. So you got to say, Jesus, help me to forgive. Like you got to pray that over yourself. God, 
give me the grace for forgiveness. I believe that forgiveness is a supernatural power that God gives his church. I believe it's the thing that differentiates us from everything else in a lot of ways. We are called to forgive. And so God gives us a grace to forgive. So you got to ask for power. you got to ask the Holy Spirit, God, give me the power to forgive. Okay? Number three. Now you got to say it audibly. you got to say your prayer audibly. This is where I'm going to walk through it. Okay. So for years, struggled, I'll just use this as an example, with forgiving my father. Forgiving my dad for abandoning me. Okay? And so here's what I have to do. I'd have to recognize the problem. Number two, I'd say, Jesus, I need your help, man, because I can't do this on my own. Because, man, that was some stuff. That was a lot of hurt. That was a lot of pain. That was a lot of brokenness. I, I got a lot of insecurities. I got a lot of things going on. So, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I, I need your power. I need, I, I, need it. I need you to give me the strength to forgive. And then I had to say it. Jesus, I forgive my dad for all he's done to me. You have to pray that. That's how you begin to get the poison out. Now, I want to tell you something, which is going to maybe blow your mind, but I don't think it's that deep, but it might. Um, at first, it's okay you don't mean it. Okay? Some of you are like, well, then why say it? Because sometimes you got to speak yourself into the truth. Sometimes you got to get yourself there. So I would say, Jesus, I forgive my dad. So, so, so it kind of sounded like this. God, I forgive my dad. Or I, I forgive my dad, right? That's, let's be real. Like if we're just us and God, we kind of have an attitude sometimes. I forgive my dad, I guess, because that's what you wanted me to do. So I'll just forgive him today. We'll talk about it again tomorrow. I would do it. And, and again, right? I forgive my dad. Jesus, I forgive my dad. The next thing you know, you start to mean it. I, for, I, for, I forgive that person. I forgive my father. God, I forgive my father. God, I, I forgive him. I let it go. Because God, you're greater. God, you're a better father than what my father was. So I can forgive him. God, you supply all my needs. God, you make my heart whole. So I can forgive him. I can let go. And you got to say it. I forgive this person. You got to like say it out loud. Don't just have it in your mind. You got to say it out loud. Number four, then you got to pray the word. So this is what I would do. I would say it out loud and then I would begin to declare the word over my dad. I'm just using that as an example. There's, I've done this for a bunch of people. It shows all the issues I have. Um, but, <laughs> but I just use my dad for a minute. God, I forgive my father. I forgive my dad. And God, I pray that the eyes of his heart would be enlightened to you. I begin to pray like Ephesians. I begin to pray that God would heal him where he's at. That's how you know something's shifting. Not only when you can forgive them, but then when you can pray for them and actually mean it. How do you do that? Throw the word in there because the word's perfect. I remember there was a season where me and my brother were going through it and it was really, really bad. And I had to get there. Same process. Had to get there. And I began to pray. I pray for my brother. Pray for my brother. And I began to pray Luke 15 over my brother. God, that he would come home like the prodigal son. God, that he would come to you. And next thing you know, I began to, my heart began to be relieved from the pain and the pressure. Because I'm giving it to the Lord. And here's the key. Number five is repeat constantly or consistently. 
repeat daily. You gotta do this again and again and again. I remember when I was in that season, especially when I was forgiving my dad, it was a hard season. And all sorts of triggers were coming up. It was crazy. You can ask Vanessa, it was bad. There were days, family, where I would sit in my car after work, after ministry, after loving young people, and I would weep in my car for an hour in my, in my, like in front of my garage because I couldn't carry the burden of what was happening in my life. And it was not rooted to the heaviness of ministry. It was rooted to the pain of my past. And I couldn't love people well and still carry that. And so I would just be in my car and, 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 and family, God wants all the emotions. He wants all of it. He wants, it's okay, anger, snot, boogers. He wants all of it. He, the, the tears, he wants all of it. It's okay if you get ugly faced. You know what I'm saying? You do you. I remember, and I, and I, but I would, I would just begin to declare, I begin to pray for the people that hurt me. And, and isn't that what Jesus says to do? I begin to declare the word. And then I would do it again. And again, and again, and again, and again. And the next thing you know, things begin to shift. And, it, and what's crazy is it didn't even shift in their life, but it shifted in mine. It shifted in mine. Recognize the issue. Ask Jesus for power. Say your prayer audibly. That's really important. You can't just do it in your mind. Pray the word. Repeat consistently. Find a passage. If you don't know what passage, just Google it. If you're like, I want to pray on love or grace or peace, just Google that and you'll find a bunch of stuff in the Bible. Or come ask one of us, we'll help you. And then do it again and do it again and do it again. Family, this isn't how to teach you how to have a good altar call moment. This is to teach you how to live a life that your life is free and you're wholehearted in the place of prayer. Because because this, this is what I've realized, this is what I've learned. This is what I've learned is if you don't do that, if, if, if you don't allow Jesus to begin to release forgiveness on your life and that you begin to forgive others and you, and everybody who's kind of following Jesus for a while knows this, you begin to hit a wall with the Lord. You begin to hit a wall and you st you're stuck. Can I tell you, this is how we break the wall. This is how we break the wall. And I'm gonna close with this. There's a difference between wounds and scars. Wounds and scars are not the same. So if you're in this room, and you're probably wondering, okay, well, does this really matter to me or not? Here's the test. Is if you touch the place that hurt, it's a wound if it's open and it hurts still. It's a scar if it doesn't hurt as much. We, we have a joke, um, we have a saying in our family at least, because we've gone through a lot, that if you can begin to laugh at the pain, you're getting somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, not, not morbidly, but if you could just make a joke about it, we're getting somewhere. I remember there was days where I couldn't even talk about my dad. I couldn't talk about my mom. I couldn't talk about the pain I went through. That's how you know you're still wounded, man. When you can't bring it up, when you don't want to share with it. When, but you got to get to the place where that wound becomes a scar. Jesus doesn't mind scars. He has them. God in his perfect body has scars on his hands and his feet. So Jesus doesn't mind your scars, but he doesn't want you wounded. He doesn't want you wounded. How do you know you're wounded? Oh, man, when someone at work says something and it, ooh, it touches you. And it hurts. And you know what I'm talking about where it hurt too much. 
okay, I need to begin to let some things go. Wounds and scars are not the same. Forgiveness begins to stitch up the wound. Come on. Begins to stitch up the wound. Begins to stitch up the things that hurt in your life. Begins to stitch up the pain of your past. And we begin to allow Jesus in the place of prayer specifically. And what if we were a church that would begin to pray for forgiveness for our city, for our nation, for our families? What if it wasn't vindictive? Was it if it wasn't revengeful, but it was Jesus that you would have your way in their life? God, we forgive them. What if God did such a work in us? And listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't have boundaries, and I'm not saying that you're just going to let people run over you. No, no. But I'm saying in your heart, have you carried something far too long? And have you not allowed Jesus to do what he needed to do? Because if you don't, you're going to hit the wall. And our family, I feel like God wants to break the wall today in some of us. So do me a favor, stay on your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.